Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Our first sponsor today is Navy Hair Care. I have been working with Navy Hair Care since they launched back in 2018. At that time, I was about a year postpartum with our third child, and my hair was experiencing some trouble after some significant postpartum hair loss. Navy really helped to strengthen my hair, and I noticed a big difference about one to two months after using it regularly. With biotin, vitamins, and rosemary oil, This shampoo and conditioner combo has been part of my daily routine for years now. I also use the charcoal mask every one to two weeks to help revitalize my hair. It helps to dry out toxins, heavy metals, and impurities, which we have plenty of since we have well water. This mask will leave your hair feeling incredibly soft and lightweight. You can use the code Lindsay, L-Y-N-Z-Y, for 30% off your order. And I will leave the links to the products I mentioned within the show notes. Hello, everyone. Today I am talking with Joy Black. Joy is an avid rock climber, kettlebell enthusiast, and trail runner. After more than 10 years in the fitness industry, Joy combined her love of strength training and climbing with extensive knowledge on training during pregnancy and postpartum to empower rock climbers during the journeys through pregnancy and postpartum. If there was ever anyone that could casually find a way to use the words climbing, pelvic floor, and breath mechanics in the same sentence, it's Joy. In today's episode, we will talk about easing back into physical activity in the postpartum period. We will focus on breath work and re-engaging the pelvic floor, how to properly perform Kegels, preventing rib flare, and much more. Let's dive in. Just a little disclaimer before we start this episode, this podcast does not provide medical advice. The information on this podcast is for informational purposes only. No material on this site is intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. All right. Good morning, everybody. We have Joy Black on the podcast today. Welcome. Thank you. So we are going to talk about getting our bodies back into exercise and physical activity after we've given birth. And I love this topic because it's something that even as I've had four kids and I've each time has been a little bit like of a different journey back into exercise. And I think it really just depends on what you were doing prior to pregnancy and what you were doing during pregnancy. So I did have some pregnancies that may or may not have had some complications in between. So there was a lot more kind of just laying low and not exercising as much. But then I also had some pregnancies where I was running until I gave birth. And so 
it changed the landscape for postpartum and where I started off and how good I felt kind of ramping things up and how fast I did that. So I'm excited for you to talk about this today. And I think maybe starting off with just talking about the first week or two postpartum. Now, some of us might feel great. Some of us might feel awful. So some of us might want to not to do anything, but some of us, we might want to just like get up off the couch and feel like we're doing something to move our body into the direction of moving again. So what would you recommend for just some light exercises and training that we can do in those first few weeks after we've given birth? So for the first couple of weeks after birth, and we are assuming an uncomplicated vaginal delivery or an uncomplicated C-section. No uh, significant birth trauma and no complications after the C-section. I think it's just important to make that disclaimer. But those first couple of weeks, what we need to focus on is reconnecting with our breath. And this may sound a little odd, especially just ask me like, oh, I want to move. I want to, I want to start training again. I feel like I, I need to do something. It is really important to understand that your body is very much in a recovery period, and it's important to honor that. That does not mean that you have to sit on the couch and do nothing. That's not what I'm saying, but I want your priority to be reconnecting with your breath. And that means learning how to engage your pelvic floor again, learning how to find your deep core muscles again, learning how to get your, your ribs moving in the front, back and sides. And that just means you're getting a full excursion of the diaphragm. Fancy way of saying diaphragmatic breathing. But when we start with that diaphragm, breathing, you're laying the foundation for all of the movement to come. And we want to think about it in layers, right? So when we build a house, we build the foundation first and we make sure that the foundation is really even, there's no cracks in the foundation. And a builder would not continue with the process if something was faulty with the foundation because something down the line would get messed up in the house and it would be on the foundation. So that's the way we want to think about things is during those first couple of weeks, the most important thing is to get reconnected with the rib cage, the deep core and the pelvic floor. You can certainly take some really easy walks. That's totally fine. And even doing body weight movements such as a squat or a hinge, that is fine as well. But while we're doing those things, we need to be very intentional and purposeful about doing them with our breath. So when you're exhaling up out of the bottom of a squat, you're lifting the pelvic floor, trying to find the deep core. But disclaimer, it's a lot easier said than done. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, totally agree. I didn't discover like what I would call breath work. What you're saying is breath work until like after several babies, I was just like, wait, what? It was mind blowing. I don't know if that was that there wasn't as much information like as there is now online via social media and all of those things. I think that might be part of it because I just feel like at least like these topics are more out in the open than they used to be. But it's actually really hard to do. And I do feel like it helps so significantly when it comes to 
anything pelvic floor related. And I have had, I'm sure you can speak about this a little bit too more, Joy. Like I've had these aches and pains like in my hips, in my back. And I never realized that it was all related to my pelvic floor after birth and just realizing that and then working on the breath and doing that breath work really helped. Can you talk a little bit more about what you mean by breath work? What are some examples of things that we could be doing? Yeah, absolutely. And I think just circling back to your first point about never having been exposed to this several years ago, I think it's really exciting that we're hearing a lot more about pelvic floor breath work on social media, on the web. And I think it's gotten really sexy, if you will, where things come in and out of fashion, so to speak, especially in the fitness world. And pelvic floor right now is having its 15 minutes of fame, (laughs) which it's well-deserved. And I think it's going to be really helpful. My hope is that when my daughter, if she does choose to have children, that it's just going to be a very different scenario as far as the care, the knowledge and help that she gets during that. But to speak specifically to what breath work is, why it's important, what's going on with the pelvic floor. When we're talking about this just very broadly and simply, your pelvic floor is a group of muscles that is down inside your pelvis. So I know I've had some people say, I thought your pelvic floor was a muscle as in a singular muscle. And it's not. It's actually a group of several different muscles. You can kind of think of it like a hammock and it sits at the bottom of your pelvis. So its purpose is to support our organs. It helps us with continence. It's also responsible for some sexual function and obviously it's really important. It's literally like holding our insides up. And what happens when we take every single breath. So even as you are sitting here right now, listening to this podcast, your pelvic floor is working. You may not feel it working, but it is working with every single breath you take. And you take upwards of 20,000 breaths a day. So that's a lot of work that pelvic floor is doing. And when we inhale the pelvic floor, it moves down. And when we exhale, the pelvic floor moves up. I'm just going to just paint very simple pictures so that everybody can follow along. On that inhale, that's when your diaphragm, which is a muscle, and that muscle separates the abdominal cavity from the thoracic cavity. On that inhale, the diaphragm is moving down. So you can think of it like a piston almost where something's happening at the top that's going to push down and make something happen at the bottom. So they both respond to each other. Now, what breath work does, breath work is different than just your normal resting breathing. So when you're sitting here listening to this podcast or you're watching Netflix, you're just resting breathing. You're not thinking about how you're breathing, what parts of your abdomen are or are not moving. Are you feeling your pelvic floor? No, you're just, you're just relaxing. You're just in a state of quietness, if you will. But breath work is just like we would do a squat to strengthen our glutes and our quads and our hamstrings. Breath work is literally purposeful breathing with the intention of getting the diaphragm moving more or the pelvic floor moving more, because that's how we can influence those muscles is with breath work. We can also do specific strengthening of the pelvic floor with Kegels or lifting the pelvic floor. They're synonymous, but breath work is the intentional action of breathing with the aim of 
helping the diaphragm to move more or eliciting a certain response with the pelvic floor. Does that all make sense? It does. Yes. Is there, are there specific types of, I know you mentioned diaphragmatic breathing and things like that. Are you able to kind of do some of those as we're just sitting here and people can do them while they're listening just to give them the idea of what we should be doing? Should our hands be like around our rib cage so we can feel what's actually going on? Yeah, I can walk, walk you through, through one. Yeah. yeah. So let's do this. Since the focus of this is that postpartum return to exercise, I'll do one with you that I would have any of the athletes that I work with do first thing postpartum. So a couple of things to understand before we start is when you inhale, you're going to inhale through your nose only. I want your mouth closed. When you exhale, you're going to exhale through your mouth and you're going to use a very long, soft, sighing exhale. We don't want to exhale quickly like we're blowing out a candle and even softer than fogging up a mirror. I know that I've heard the cue for fogging up a mirror in the past, but I want it to feel like your exhale just falls out of your mouth. You're not forcing anything out. And you're going to exhale until you cannot exhale anymore. You almost feel like you're going to cough. So we need to empty all of the air out of the lungs. I find that it's better for me to explain all of this before you're exhaling and I'm talking and you're like blue in the face. <laughs> just uh, yeah. to pass out. Yeah. <laughs> just so everybody can get an idea of what's coming. Okay, so we've got that long, 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 long exhale. At the end of your exhale, I want you to just try and pause for a couple of seconds. Does not need to be a long time, but just like a couple of seconds. And then you're going to inhale again through your nose. Okay. What we want to think about happening is we are trying to find the deepest, most layer of our core. The reason we're using that soft sighing exhale is because that type of exhale preferentially recruits the transverse abdominis. And that is the core muscle that is underneath your six pack muscles is underneath your oblique muscles. It's the one that people talk about looks like a corset or a belt and it has those horizontal or transverse fibers. But that type of soft exhale preferentially recruits the TVA. And that is the first muscle that you need to reconnect with postpartum. So the way we can make sure we're getting that muscle on is you're going to take your hands and, okay, so now we'll start the drill. Mm -hmm. If you can, you're going to sit straight up wherever you're at. And I don't want you to feel rigid. I just don't want you to be like super slouching like we all look like when we're staring at our phone and like scrolling social media, right? So just sit up straight. Imagine someone has a string and they're just pulling up on your head, okay? You're going to take your middle finger and I want you to put it on your ASIS or or your hip, sorry, I forget not to use a certain jargon like I'm that. Like your what? <laughs> yeah, 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 your hip bone. So middle finger, you just want to put it right on top of your hip bone. And then I want you to slide that middle finger down and in towards your pelvis. Now your palms should be resting over your hip bone and your middle fingers are diagonally pointing down towards your panty line. And what where you are right now is right on top of that lower transverse abdominis. As we're exhaling, I don't want you to move your hands at all. 
I want you to see and feel if space gets created in between your hands and your abdomen. And that's what we want to notice on that exhale. When space gets created, that means we're recruiting TVA. If we were to feel our abdomen push out into our hands, that means we're having some trouble recruiting it. Okay. All right. So everybody's got their hands like downward diagonal, middle fingers down towards the panty line, palms are on the hip bones. And you can just like exhale, get ready. <laughs> We're going to inhale through our nose for, let's just say for three. And you're going to open your mouth and all the air out. So you want to keep going slow. And what you're feeling for is a zippering up feeling almost from the middle of your pelvis up to your belly button, and it should pull away from your hands. And then you can relax. But that's basically that core connection. And you're using specific breath work to make that happen. Now, I'll take you one step further with that. So after you do that long exhale, then we're going to inhale through the nose again. But what I want to happen is I want you to try and keep a bit of the tension that you found in your core. So a lot of times what happens the majority of the time postpartum, what happens is if you think about your core like a soda can, okay, so just imagine and your head is on the top of a Coke can and your legs are at the bottom of the Coke can. That Coke can is pretty rigid. Like when we press on a full Coke can, nothing happens. Like you can't squeeze it. But postpartum, just imagine that somebody has replaced half of the Coke can with saran wrap. And so what's going to happen if we were to squeeze it, it would just collapse, right? So our abdomen is like that saran wrap because we don't have that tension or muscle integrity in the front of our abdomen anymore. So that's where all of our pressure wants to go. So we literally have to retrain our body, retrain our muscles. Hey, don't let all the pressure come out that way. We need to get the ribs moving again, let some pressure come out the back and the sides and up like in our sternum area instead of all of it going out. Basically, if you can just think about like where you carried your baby in your abdomen, that's where all of that pressure kind of wants to go. So what we're going to do this time is I'm going to have you exhale all the way and then you're going to hold some of that tension. And I want you to take some small sips of air through your nose. So instead of trying to take a long inhale through your nose, think about almost like pumping up a bicycle tire. You know how it's like pump, pump. That's what I always tell my athletes is we got to pump it up. So you're like, and it can help to do that because we want to feel those ribs. Like you think about pumping up your ribs. <laughs> I know it sounds like weird, but it's a really good analogy that works for me when I'm trying to help people understand what they're looking for and what should be happening. Okay, so we'll do it together. So we're going to take it one regular inhale and then we'll do that long soft sighing exhale. And then you're going to hold on to some tension in your core. And then we're going to pump up the ribs with the kind of like those sips of air through our nose. Okay. All right. So we'll sit back up straight again. You can put your hands back down over your low belly. We'll take an inhale through the nose. Now open your mouth. So you should exhale for a lot longer than you want to. Keep going even when you think you're done. Go. And when you feel like, okay, that's it. I can't anymore. You should feel tension in your abdomen. You're going to hang on to some of that tension and then you're going to inhale. 
And then when you feel like, oh, I've hit a brick wall, I can't inhale anymore, open your mouth. Same thing again. Exhale all the way. Feel those deepest core muscles turn on. Your belly's pulling away from your hands. Then you do the same thing with your nose. Inhale those short. Aiming to feel the rib cage moving versus the abdomen moving. And that's really it. <laughs> I say it like it's super easy, but it's, it's actually not, especially early postpartum. This is really difficult. And I don't want people to confuse this with belly breathing. This is not belly breathing. This is literally an exercise. Think about bicep curls target our biceps. I am targeting your diaphragm. It's This is not the way you should breathe all the time. You don't need to be holding tension in your belly all the time. That's not good. But we do have to train our bodies how to breathe efficiently well again. Because if we never learn to generate more tension in the abdomen, get the diaphragm moving more, allow for posterior, anterior, lateral expansion of the ribs, then that's where we start to run into things down the line, such as kind of some of the pelvic floor stuff that you were talking mm -hmm. about. And how, how often am I doing these? Am I doing them several times a day? How many times? Like I know there's, it's going to vary, but roughly. Yeah. I would say you just think. like 10 breaths, maybe three times a day. If you can, you can literally do this while you're nursing your baby. I, one way I do like to have people do it is have them lay down on the floor and put their hands on their belly just because the floor is really grounding and it can be super helpful, especially when you're trying to feel like, is the air moving back? Because you'll actually feel your ribs push down into the ground and that can be really nice. And I know that each time I've, I have three children and sometimes you really just need that. It seems oh, I want to get up and move and do something, but you have, you're just going at a hundred miles an hour with no sleep and just sometimes getting down on the ground without a baby on top of you or in your hands and just having that literally only two minutes. If that's all you've got, that's fine. But reconnecting with that breath, it helps to turn on a bit more of our parasympathetic nervous drive, which is like rest and digest and can be super helpful as well. So yeah. I think that answered your question, did it? Yeah. Okay. No, that was great. No, okay. that was really great. I think it's just helpful because I think people hear, okay, breath work. Oh, okay. I need to re-engage my pelvic floor. But having that tool, it's really helpful because now the people listening can start to do this whenever they're feeling comfortable. Like when it's just, it's nice. And it's really important as you lead it up into starting to walk again or whatever it is that you want to get back into you really need to re-engage your pelvic floor first and you really need to work on that before anything else. Yeah. So I will say that when we're, so the exercise I just took you through, when you exhale and you're trying to pull abdomen away, that is when you would try and work on lifting the pelvic floor. And when we're doing any lifting the pelvic floor, trying to engage the abdomen postpartum, we want to think about like during those first couple of weeks, it does not need to be 10 out of 10 efforts, like three out of 10 where you just think about like literally just connection. We're not looking for max contraction. We just want that gentle connection starting your body no matter how strong you were, what kind of athlete, what level, whether it's like Olympic level or weekend warrior type, you're recovering. 
everybody has to recover after birth. There's, it's just the way it is. Now, timelines are going to be different varying on the athlete, but just because you were at a certain level beforehand, that doesn't guarantee any sort of timeline either. So I just did want to make that distinction that we don't, want anything in those first couple weeks to be a max effort as far as like pelvic floor lifts. And we don't need to worry about the pelvic floor other than we're we're really trying to work on it. Just like you wouldn't be like, I want to get stronger biceps. So I'm just going to flex my bicep all day. We wouldn't do that. We would be like, all right, so I'm going to do my bicep curls when I go into the gym and then flex my bicep in the mirror and be like, oh, hell yeah. And then you move on. (laughs) Yeah. So I just think I just because I know that there's been a lot of confusion around that. I need to hold my pelvic floor all day after I have a baby and clench my butt cheeks. And I'm like always feeling like I'm trying to stop a pee. And that's not what we want to be doing. This podcast episode is brought to you by Green Chef. Green Chef makes eating well simple with plans to fit every lifestyle. Whether you're keto, paleo, vegan, vegetarian, gluten-free, or just looking to eat more balanced meals, Green Chef offers a range of recipes to suit your preferences. They have recently expanded their menu and you can now choose from 30 recipes weekly. If you want to mix and match meals from different dietary preferences in the same box, that's no problem. You can order vegan for one day and keto the next if you choose. They also offer 10-minute lunches, which include convenient, low-prep lunch recipes that are great for busy days. Green Chef makes busy nights easier by providing the exact ingredients needed to make really quick, delicious meals. We have tried quite a few now, and they are always straightforward and minimally time-consuming. Our recent meatloaf dinner was a hit with everyone at the table. You can save time by cutting down on meal planning and grocery shopping by having the meals delivered straight to your door. I personally love Green Chef's sustainability. The recipes feature premium proteins, seasonal organic produce, and sustainably sourced seafood. Expand your palate with unique farm-fresh ingredients like figs, dates, and artichokes. Green Chef is also the only meal kit that is both carbon and plastic offset. They offset 100% of their carbon footprint, as well as 100% of the plastic in every box. To try Green Chef, go to greenchef.com slash lindsay60, that's L-Y-N-Z-Y 60, and use the code lindsay60 to get 60% off, plus free shipping. That's greenchef.com slash lindsay60, L-Y-N-Z-Y, and use the code lindsay60 to get 60% off, plus free shipping. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. So I know you mentioned Kegels. 
Do you have any tips for those people listening on how to know if we truly are doing a Kegel or like how to just like, I know that it was really hard for me early on to figure out like, am I doing it? Like, how can I engage the right muscles for this exercise? Because it's not going to be helpful, obviously, if you're just clenching your butt. (laughs) Yeah. Do you have any tips for that specifically? Yeah. So I think one of the most important things to keep in mind is that we strengthen or lift something if we can't let it go. And that is one of the things that I find is actually the hardest because after birth or even I will say I'm a somewhat anxious person. So I'm always ramped up. I just have a lot of nervous energy and anxiety. And part of that means that I tend to clench things a lot. So clench my jaw, my pelvic floor, even just hold tension in my face and things like that. And when we are really tight or over-recruited, it is so hard to get a full pelvic floor contraction. So one of the first things that I would actually encourage someone to do, and so this is not like early postpartum, this is just related to specifically, I don't know if I am lifting my pelvic floor correctly, is you need to feel it move down first. So if we can't get it moving with the breath, it's going to be really hard to get it to lift up. You can think of your pelvic floor as like an elevator. Okay. So when we walk up to an elevator, when we get in the elevator, what's the first thing that happened? The doors close. So when we're thinking about a Kegel, the first step is doors close. So that means that in the vaginal opening in the anus, they should squeeze together. If you were to put your hand on your butt cheek, nothing should happen to your butt cheek. Like it should literally, if you were to smack your butt, it should jiggle. (laughs) Just so like we are very clear. Yeah. So if you literally put your hand like on each ass cheek and you squeeze like your butthole and your vagina, nothing should happen in between your hands. (laughs) Like that butt is soft and squishy. So those are those elevator doors closing. But if we were on an elevator and the doors closed and then nothing else happened, we'd be like, what the hell? This elevator's broke. (laughs) The next thing that needs to happen is the elevator has to move up. Okay. So there's a squeeze and then a lift. And that's literally why it's called a pelvic floor lift is because you have to lift up with the muscles. So if you think about what the pelvic floor does, it supports all of our organ, viscera, et cetera. It how we strengthen it is like pulling up against that. You can think of it like that, right? Like it squeezes together and then it needs to, as it has squeezed together, be able to move against the weight that is down on it. So the elevator comes up. Now, if you're an elevator, it goes up and now you're like, okay, time to go back down and need to get back to my car, whatever. When you get back in the elevator, if it doesn't go down again, you're going to be like, what the hell? This elevator is broke. <laughs> and that is the same thing with our pelvic floor. It has to be able to come back down. So we have to let go of the lift, but then also the doors have to 
open again. So it's like those four kind of processes where it's shut, lift, go down, open. Those are the whole like things that have to happen. So when the cue I gave you earlier of the butt cheeks being really soft and squishy, that's just kind of one way to tell. Of course, you can you can get a mirror and kind of look at your perineum. You can put a hand on your perineum. But honestly, I think that at least for myself, the most helpful thing for me has been learning to relax my pelvic floor because then I could actually feel like, oh, this is a nice, good, full lift of the pelvic floor. When I went to pelvic floor physical therapy after my daughter, and so we're, you get very friendly with your pelvic floor physical therapist. You just do. And also like after a baby, you're just, yeah, I'll take my pants off. What mm-hmm. you want to look at? Yes. Yeah. No, there's just no, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't phase you anymore. Anyway, so she's looking at everything and then she goes, okay, so do a reverse Kegel for me. And I'm like, excuse me? <laughs> she goes, reverse Kegel. I'm like, the hell is that? She was like, relax your pelvic floor. And I said, I am relaxed. She goes, no, you're not. I was like, I am relaxed. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, I had no idea what she was talking about. Literally. <laughs> I had no clue. She was like, honey, we got some work to do. <laughs> <laughs> we found our new starting point. So I think, I don't know if that gave you the specific answer you wanted. But no, that's perfect. No, that's perfect. The hard, way you described it was. Uh, like I could tell you lots of different ways and cue you up on how to actually lift your pelvic floor. But the truth is, if you can't feel it relax, you're never going to get a proper lift because you're not getting that full range of motion, at least knowing that, okay, a reverse Kegel, all it is fully relaxing your pelvic floor, like limp noodle about mm-hmm. letting our arm be a limp noodle. Your pelvic floor has to be able to do the same thing. Yeah. yeah. And I think too important to tell people like what people think is the norm after you give birth is just like this loosey goosey vaginal wall and everything is that's what people talk about. Oh, it's everything. You can't feel it. It's hard to engage and all of those things. But There are some people that it actually tenses up and it can be difficult long term for intercourse and other things because it's actually too tense. So it it can actually go both ways. So like you said, understanding that reverse Kegel is important, right? And and getting that full range of motion. Oh, yeah. You can have... So you can have tight and that is, tight is not good. You mm-hmm. want a tight pelvic floor. It does not mean what you think it means, or at least <laughs> right. I don't know. We won't go too in depth with that one, but it's, <laughs> it just doesn't mean what you think it means. Yeah. So you can have tight and then you can have weak. And so that like weak means that you literally, that engagement that we're talking about, you're not able to do it or you can't do it fully or there's like some weaknesses there. And then you can also have tight and weak. So just knowing that like those three different things can happen and they all have three different scenarios on how you would work on them. So like sometimes I'll have women come to me and they're like, I've been like doing my Kegels and it's getting worse. They have a tight or we can say over-recruited or hypertonic pelvic floor. So like for them, the process of the reverse Kegel or the relaxing that I was talking about, they need to learn how to do that because they're never going to, then if they also have weakness, they're never going to strengthen the muscle if it doesn't go through a full range of motion. So think about if you only ever did like quarter squats, then you're just never going to get as strong because you're not taking the muscle through like length tension changes. And it's the same thing 
with the pelvic floor and like after vaginal births and even C-section. So no, C-section is not as traumatic to the pelvic floor as a vaginal birth, but your body underwent biomechanical changes during pregnancy that directly impact your pelvic floor. So it's like a misnomer that if you had a C-section, you don't need pelvic floor physical therapy. I'm like a hundred percent in the camp of it should just be standard of care during and after pregnancy, no matter what. Yeah. All right. Okay. So let's, we've been talking 30 minutes about just... We were like, return exercise. Okay, pelvic floor. So this is what I mean is like, it's so, whenever I'm like coming up with a podcast topic, it's so funny because you will naturally zero into something, even though we wanted to be more broad about just like exercise postpartum, we're still in the first couple weeks and only talking about breath work, right? <laughs> yes. But honestly, if no one, if we talked about nothing else, just knowing this is going to be so powerful because if you are an athlete, so I mainly work with pregnant and postpartum rock climbers. And some of the rock climbers that I work with are literally climbing at extremely elite level. So some of the strongest climbers in the world, and I am having them do the same thing that my climbers who are not at that level, they may even just be starting out are doing. So just to know that literally this is what you do. Yeah, <laughs> It yeah. doesn't matter like what your sport is, what level you're at. This is what you do. You have to learn how to reconnect with pelvic floor, deep core, and really get the diaphragm moving again because it's the foundation to all the other stuff to come. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, that was great. Okay. So let's move on a little bit into, I say most, if you talk to any OBGYN provider, they're always going to tell you like the standard is, okay, six weeks. And in in some cases, it's 12 weeks for like really strenuous exercise. So this is going to be completely dependent on the person and dependent on obviously how much they were exercising prior and all of that. But Maybe I think it would be helpful to focus in on, we were focusing on the pelvic floor, doing the breath work and all of that. Let's suppose that we've gotten to this six-week mark and we are feeling good. We are wanting to get back into what we were doing physically prior and ease ourselves back into it. Are there any specific like muscle strengthening workouts that we should be really focusing in on before doing, say, our lifting regimen that we were used to? Or I don't the focus would be not to push ourselves into the situation where we've done harm, especially to our midsection or our pelvic floor too fast. So are there things that we should be really focusing in on and maybe strengthening before we move on into that? Yeah. Um, yeah. I love this question. So basically what you're asking me is, okay, so I want to do activities such as lifting, or I want to do things that are going to strengthen me to get back into my sport and exactly what do I do to maximize my success in doing that? Is that right? Yes. Okay. All right. Cool. I would say that all the major movement patterns, squat, hinge, push, pull, in all of those, you need to have what's called a stacked position. So a stacked position just means that you have your diaphragmatic, your diaphragm over your pelvic floor diaphragm. 
Okay. They're on top of one another. This is a lot harder than you think it is postpartum because we have a weaker, deep core. Our hamstrings have been weakened because a lot of times we're in that anterior pelvic tilt during pregnancy. So the hamstrings have been pulled on. And then we have rib flare from pregnancy because obviously baby had to fit somewhere. So the ribs move and widen to accommodate that. So re claiming that stacked position in those movement patterns means that you are going to be very protective, but I don't like the word protective because I feel like it makes people think they need to be scared and you don't need to be scared. Your body is super resilient. Like it is when you give it the right tools, it is going to do amazing things for you. And a stacked position is just one of those tools. So making sure that like when we are doing a push-up, for example, I probably wouldn't do push-ups on the floor at six weeks postpartum. There may be some women that could, but in general, it's probably just going to be a little too much for your core and you're not going to be able to hold that stacked position, right? When you're on the floor, you're going to up or the pelvis will dump forward, things like that. I would say no matter what you're doing, we want to be in that stacked position because that is going to aid your recovery the most. And then also keeping in mind that I do think most of the time it is best to wait until 12 weeks to start to resume high impact. So that would just mean any sort of running or jumping. That doesn't mean that you can't jump at all, but you need to progressively overload that pattern. So running, while it may seem like gloriously simple of just throw on your shoes and walk out the door, is actually fairly difficult for your body to organize as far as loading patterns and gait. So that is a specific thing that you need to retrain is being able to train up your pelvic floor to be able to absorb and handle that load again. Now, you mentioned rib flare like very briefly. I So this was something I really focused on after my third and fourth. And I'd love to dive into that just a little bit more because it's this is a huge issue postpartum and you'll see it into your workouts if you don't really focus in on it. So can you talk about it just a little bit more and perhaps maybe like common exercises where you might see more rib flare and when to really focus in on it and how to fix it? Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So rib flare basically means what it says that your ribs are flared, but we want to remember that it's the lower ribs in the front. So ribs like six through 10. And what has happened is that the oblique muscles have lost their pull on them. So think about when we're pregnant and then towards the end of that pregnancy, baby is all up in your ribs and super uncomfortable. There's no way that your ribs could just lay flat down when you're nine months pregnant. It's not going to happen. So then the muscles that are in your abdomen that kind of help to keep our ribs in a I'll just say flatter to keep it simple position, they've also been stretched out. So we have to retrain the muscles to create some more leverage on those lower ribs. Now, the other part to this is that the lower ribs do move when we inhale. So if you think back to what I was talking about in the beginning of this conversation with the Coke can and the saran wrap on the front of the Coke can, right? Sometimes those lower ribs are just like flapping in the breeze. <laughs> if we don't, I think like it, it sounds funny, but you'll remember this, right? Rib flare, ribs flapping in the breeze. And we don't want that. Like we need to get them kind of tethered down a little bit more. The way we can do that is literally with an exhale. That exhale that I had you do in the beginning, 
That's a great way to get the lower ribs down too. You can do this on yourself. I really like this one lying down on the ground because you can literally see. What I like to tell people to do is take a video of themselves from the side. And when they start out, probably they're going to, when they look back at the video, they'll see their ribs like really jutting out. And we want at the end of that exhale for our ribs to be even on the same plane with your hip bones. So if somebody was to put like a piece of like a two by four on top of you, then you're, it would not be coming up in the air at an angle over your pelvis, right? Like it would be laying flat on your ribs if it was like parallel, like running down our nose, belly button, pelvis. Does that make sense just as far as what a rib flare is? So that's one way that you can laying down on the ground, you're not going to fix it essentially that way, but you're starting to bring more intention to those muscles and telling your mind, hey, this is how I get my ribs to come down. This is what it feels like. And that's part of that stacked position. So one place where rib flare can be super problematic is with any sort of overhead push. So if you have a dumbbell in each hand and you're going to push it over your head because our compensation when our core is weak is that we jut our abdomen out. And you can think about the low back curves and those ribs flap in the breeze as we push the weights over our head. Now, a way to fix this is number one, I suggest like when you are starting out again, postpartum, just sit down. You can sit on the edge of a bench. It doesn't mean you have to slouch to do this, but just sit down on the edge of a bench because you're essentially like cutting off half of your body, right? So we don't have to work on organizing the lower half if we're sitting down and we have a little bit more feedback because we can literally feel our ass on a bench. And if you feel your pelvis dump forward, you'll know, oh, okay, like I wasn't able to keep that stacked position. So getting a nice long exhale and then pushing up overhead while you continue to exhale can really can be really helpful too for making sure that we are creating the optimal amount of tension that we need to keep the ribs down as mm-hmm. we push our arms overhead. Yeah, no, that's really helpful. I was working out this morning and was doing like a standing Arnold press. And when you're looking at yourself in the mirror, you're like, oh boy. So it's just, it's really important because it's something that I didn't frequently do before I had had children. So it's something that I still, I'm like two and a half years postpartum after my four. And I still like, I'm still having to train myself and teach myself to fix this posture because it happens so often when I'm pushing anything up over my head. So that was great. Okay. So I think let's, I think this was perfect. Let's stop here. And I'm going to ask you two of the questions that I ask everybody I interview. And they're just fun laid back questions. So the first one is, if you could give advice to moms, what piece of advice would you want to give them? Let's see. So I feel like that I almost had a a do-over, if you will, at being a mom because I have three kids, but my kids are 14 years apart. I have a son who is 16. I have a daughter who's two. And then I have another son who is nine months old. I, when I had my oldest son, I was just a baby myself. I was 21 when he was born. And then fast forward 14 years, I had my daughter and then my daughter and my youngest son are 18 months apart. I think that 
I really wish somebody would have told me that having two kids that close together is really freaking hard. I think like when I had my daughter, I was like, oh my gosh. I felt like I just was in a much better place, like financially, just as far as stability and whatnot. And I was like, oh, let's just have another baby. (laughs) And I was literally blindsided, like fully blindsided by just how hard it was to have two kids that close together. And I am a firm believer in, I don't think that there's no need to scare people, but even when we talk about things to do with labor, delivery, postpartum, I don't think it always needs to be this, oh, it's just, yeah, it did hurt some. No, that shit really hurts. Yeah, it's really freaking hard. (laughs) And I think just like a little bit more honesty around Mm. that, it doesn't, we are very brave. We're brave to be pregnant, brave to carry a baby for all this time, go into this extremely life-changing experience. There's no reason that we need to hold out on each other as far as like the truth of how it's really going to be. So I think, yeah, that is speaking to a specific group of moms. But if you are planning on having two kids really close together, I would just say that it is amazing. And I love watching my children interact together and I would not change it for anything in this entire world, but holy shit, it is hard. (laughs) (laughs) No, I really love that you say that. Like just the, like I I'm oh, I'm at baseline my personality is such that I'm just very blunt and it, that can come across to people as some people don't like that right but some people are like oh no I like like I want you to tell me how it is and I very much feel like just motherhood and gen and pregnancy and birth and all of that I just, I myself would never want to be blindsided by something. And and I don't think we're doing anybody, anybody any favors by just saying, oh, it was fine or and not talking about it. Like this is the same thing as like experiencing a miscarriage or something like that, where it's like your story only empowers other people. And as much as you might, it might scare you a little bit, it does prep you. And there are people that have personalities or such that I don't I don't want to know. I'm actually better off that way. And I do think that those people probably are better off that way just because they might go down that rabbit hole. You know that about yourself. So you just avoid things like that. But yeah, I'm in the same camp as you. The more you know, the more you're able to prep, the more you're able to just be in a good space once that happens. And if you're somebody who's, I don't know, like medically, you have to have two kids quickly back to back. I know this is really going to be tough. You're prepping yourself for that mentality versus, oh, it's fine. I know such and such did it. And she said it was fine. Yeah, I literally like one of my friends and I, we text all the time, like, like, how's your survival mode today? Because it's like, we're just literally in survival mode. Yeah, I wish somebody would have told me that. And I'd be like, sometimes I'm like, I'm definitely like, it's a pretty hardcore survival mode today. No, (laughs) no, like I'm thriving. I'm more than surviving. (laughs) And then the next day you're knocked right back down to earth because you're like, oh, shit. (laughs) I will say that my second and my third we're 22 months apart. That's the closest I ever got them. And I know this is going to vary. Combi- like the combination of kids will vary and this won't happen to everybody. But I have four kids and those two do not stop fighting ever. Like ever. And it's a boy-girl combination. They are like brutal. They'll play good together. I'll give it 20% of the time, maybe. 80% of the time, 
fighting. And it's not, it's not, oh, you took this. No, it's like full on physical fighting where I have to like intervene. I'm like, this is crazy. And then I have the two-year-old who's just like climbing onto the kitchen table, like pulling onto the chandelier. You know, I'm like, sometimes I'm like, I wake up, I'm like, oh my gosh, like I actually live here. This is a circus. (laughs) Oh no, I feel you. There was like a point in time where my son, my oldest son, he has his license now, but he had his learner's permit. So literally in the morning I would get up, I would breastfeed one and then like tame a tantrum with the next. And then the last one, I'm like, oh shit, get in the yellow lines. Like, <laughs> like how, what am I doing? Like literally, Honestly, what am I doing? I know. Every day I still feel that way. Yeah. Every day I'm like, oh, okay, what, <laughs> really, what am I doing? Yeah. And everything, every age range is different and every child is so different. So even though your child is 16, like you're going to experience something totally different with your other one. It's just it's a wild road. Yeah, yeah. But I will say that there has been probably next to nothing that has just completely melted me into a unrecognizable puddle um, as watching my oldest son love on my two younger oh, yeah. children. Like I yeah. like I get like emotional even just like thinking about it. But oh. like the way that he loves on them and like kisses them and hugs them and plays with them. Like it's I never thought I would have other children. I always thought I was a one and done. But yeah, it's been like, I don't know. It's just, I can't even put into words just how special that is to see. But I feel really lucky that like I get to have that experience and that my two younger children like get to have that experience too. And I bet, think about how good that is for him. Like he's experiencing almost like what it's like to nurture someone else, like a lot younger, like that's going to be so good for him. You know what I mean? Especially at that age to have that experience. Like, I yeah, think it's no. good birth control too. <laughs> exactly. Right. He's, oh, shit. Yeah. There's a lot to do here. Yeah, like I always tell him like, you don't have to tell me what's going on, but I'm just saying, unless you want one of those, you need to wrap it up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Oh my gosh. Okay. Last question. So if you could make one meal for your entire family that everyone would eat, that's relatively quick and easy. What would it be? Oh gosh. I'm trying to think of what is one that we always do. I do cook a lot. It's just like hard when someone asks me, um, Oh, I know. Okay. So this, I really like cooking in my instant pot because I don't have time to stand over a stove anymore. Like I used to cook more elaborate, I guess you could say things, but this one barbecue chicken instant pot meal, you can like do this. You can use the chicken in so many different ways and that, so it doesn't make one specific meal, but it's literally just like you put chicken breast, you can do breast and thighs or just thighs, like whatever you want to do in the instant pot, basically like a jar of barbecue sauce, whatever kind you like. And then I think it's like paprika, a little bit of garlic powder, a little bit of salt and tiny bit of chicken broth. You put that in there, you let it cook like 25 minutes at high, take it out. And then you take your chicken breast out and you shred them. And then you have this really nice like barbecue chicken. And then, so you can put it like quesadillas. I'll put it over roasted sweet potatoes and you just put like some black beans and like salsa. You could even mix it into like salads I've done before with some pasta. It's seriously so versatile. And I don't know, it's, I know for someone like myself who has next to no time, chicken for days, yay. (laughs) 
<laughs> you can mix it up and make it into a lot of different things. So that yeah. it is nice that way. Yeah, yeah. That sounds really good. Do you like your instant pot? Yeah. yeah, I have had one. I kid you not. I think six years I've had one and I have yet to use it. It's literally sitting what? in my cabinet. I you have to use that. Me. <laughs> Why? I don't know. I use my crock pot all the time and it's a crock pot from like the 99. so old and it's like my favorite thing, but I just cannot move on to this instant pot. Okay. Like, I'm I don't telling know. you once you do it, you're going to be like, why the hell did I use this? I know. I know. Why am I not able to do this? I'm okay, not able so to make this move. Legit. If you want to make, I don't know if you like to make hard boiled eggs, but that I feel like is one of the easiest things to start out with that you can. So I think I do have a silicone mold that I use to put the eggs in because you don't want to just put the eggs in the bottom. But I think it's, gosh, I think it's three minutes or something on high pressure. Then you take your eggs out and they peel like right away. None of that like flakiness, a thousand pieces of eggshell. And it's like perfectly cooked hard boiled eggs. Super not intimidating is literally water and eggs. That's it. Yeah. And then you have 12 perfectly hard boiled eggs and you made them within five minutes. And you so, just got the mold off of Amazon mm-hmm. or what? Yeah. Yeah. It's just like a silicone. Yeah. I think if you even had something that just fits down into the pot, I'm trying, but yeah, I mean, it, yeah, I think it was like on Amazon. Yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah, I don't, I don't. It won't, but I'm telling you, once you do it, like I make shredded chicken in there just like for the week to throw my salads for lunch yeah. and stuff. And it's, I would never do it any other way. Yeah. No? All right. Yeah. Maybe by the time I email you about this episode going live, I'll have actually used it. I'll like, I'll expect you to have done it. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. All right. Thank you so much, Joy. This was a pleasure. Mm-hmm. It was so fun talking with you. And I'm so glad you took the time to chat with us today. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. All resources mentioned in this episode can be found in the show notes on lindsayandco.com. To continue these important conversations, head over to Motherhood Meets Medicine on Instagram. Let me know what you learned from this episode and who you would love to hear from next. I always love getting feedback from you. If you're finding value in this podcast, please rate, review, subscribe, and share with a friend. This will help us to reach even more women from around the world. I'll catch you next week. Until then, don't forget to find some time to unplug, unwind, and have a little fun. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games.